This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. No, I can't. Can always be transformed. Yes, I can. It's up to us. It's always up to us. And when we think about ourselves, when we think about our reason for existing, the reason why we have our challenges, the reason why we are the way we are today, we don't need to be that way forever. We can learn, we can grow, we can achieve. And we have to believe, yes, I can. It is my pleasure to have Dr. Paul Wachansky as a guest on our podcast today. Dr. Paul is a leading motivational speaker and author who has written a book that describes the ways that we can each rise above adversity, harness our untapped potential, and become the epic version of ourselves. His recent best-selling book is called Yes, I Can, Lessons Learned from a Life Less Ordinary. Dr. Paul hosts presentations where he shares the positive perspectives and realities of growing up with cerebral palsy and hearing loss. His captivating stories touch on a variety of themes that collectively describe the triumph of the human spirit. His audiences have included over 1 million youth, parents, and educators nationwide, and foreign exchange students from 20 countries. If you see his big smile on the screen, then it's no accident. Dr. Paul is the quintessential positive optimist. He lives each day of his life with a positive attitude and gratitude that encourages others to realize their goals and dreams. I'm looking forward to this interview, to introducing you to Dr. Paul and to letting him share some of the lessons he's learned in his life. So I invite you to sit back and listen in as Dr. Paul shares his story. Hello, Paul. Good morning and welcome. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Thank you, Kelly. It's welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm it's so excited to be here with you. Well, I've been looking forward to this since the first time that we met. I always, through the process of going, writing the book and going through that whole thing of getting the book done, I'm always thinking about this moment here where we get to the point where we can actually sit down and talk about what happened and share it with our listeners. So I hope you're looking forward to that as well. Yes, I am because the hard part of the journey is done, but there's another segment, marketing. That's a whole different ball game in itself. It really, really is. We'll talk about that as we get into the book. But speaking of the book, I want to I want to actually begin this discussion by opening to chapter one. And I want to lead off with the first couple sentences of the book because I think it sets up why you wrote the book, who you are, and I think it's a great place for us to start as we begin our conversation. So 
Listeners, please enjoy the first couple sentences of Paul's book, which is called Yes, I Can, Lessons Learned from a Life Less Ordinary. And this is chapter one. I was born with cerebral palsy and have a hearing loss. Some people, given these challenges, may conclude they were robbed of a chance to lead a normal life. But this statement raises the question, what is normal? I love that beginning, Paul, for so many reasons. And I think it's a great sort of board to jump off of um, because it is so true that we don't really know what the word normal even means. And certainly your life has been anything but normal. <laughs> so tell yeah, me a little bit about why you chose to start the book that way and, and sort of what you think of when you think of the question of what is normal. That's a very good question. When I look at um, people, uh, the word normal comes to mind in a different way because um, some sometimes when we think about our capabilities, we, talk, we also think about our disabilities and that is not fair to yourself and to other people in your family because um, we all have challenges. And when we take the word disability and take the first three letters out of the word, we're left with ability. And when we think of other people, we think of their beautiful lives. You know, some of them are picture perfect. They have a loving family, a great home, a awesome job, um, fabulous kids, uh, but, you know what? They seem to have full deck of cards. You know, 52 cards in a deck. They have full deck. But there are other people like me who don't have full deck of cards. All right? Some of us are born with physical, mental, or emotional difficulties. And we never had the opportunity to find out what it's like to be normal because we never were. There are other people who have an injury, an illness, or some other traumatic experience like a divorce, and they suddenly have it and they're faced with this tremendous adversity, this new challenge in front of them. And one door is slammed in their face and they're so confused. They're so unfamiliar about stepping into the next part of the journey, how to overcome that, how to rise above that. So if given the opportunity to be born with challenges or to experience that challenge sometime later in life, I would choose the former. Because, um, you know what? It turns out that out of a full deck of cards, I seem to be holding in my hand a royal flush, <laughs> you know? And when that, that royal flush is not an accident, it's not a stroke of luck, I had to work harder 
to rise above my challenge. My challenge is cerebral palsy. As you said, as the opening statement said, I brought in my challenge right there, right in the first sentence of the book because I'm not embarrassed. You know, it's who I am inside. It's who I'm meant to be. And I'm hoping that other people, other readers will see themselves in that statement. Not, not just me, but it's inclusive of our entire community. Mm. It's a feel good book. Mm. I it's think so. Good. It sure is a feel good book. And, and your stories are feel good stories. And I wanna talk about some of those. As we get into those, however, I have to stop and, and say for a few minutes a little bit about your mom and your dad, because I know the listeners are hearing this optimistic attitude and this really go get them, yes, I can attitude and perception that you have been able to cultivate in your life. And I know from reading your story and from talking with you through these past few months that it, it wasn't a stroke of luck, that it was hard work. And a lot of that came from the seeds planted from your mom and dad. Tell us a little bit about your mom and dad and some of the influence they've had on your life. Well, my mom and dad have been very instrumental in making me the person I am today. Uh, when I think of my dad, he gave me confidence. He gave me uh, determination, but he was not, he's still not emotional. You know, he doesn't compliment me uh, he compliments me rarely, but when he does, he always adds, now go to your next goal. He wants me to be unsatisfied with my current achievement. I have a desire to improve myself. So go on to your next goal. My mom, however, she is more com about compassion, about empathy, about getting the spirit of people, not wearing, almost like wearing your heart on your sleeve, so to speak. And she um, encouraged me to think about other people and their attitude. Don't make them frown, make them smile, make them feel good about themselves. Because when you spread that optimism, the whole world is smiling. And that optimism is what attracts others to you. If you frown, you scare everybody away. You don't want to do that. So you want to smile and uh, have that positive attitude. Because when you have that attitude, the sky is not even the limit. Yes. You could accomplish any challenge. Wait, you could accomplish any goal and overcome any challenge with that smile and that positive attitude. Right. And that's what my parents instilled in me. That's the first and most important principle to improve yourself is to have positive attitude and think positive because negative attitude, your dreams just disappear. Right. And it's so much more difficult to get there with a positive attitude. So don't let your attitude become your biggest disability. Hmm. 
There you go. Powerful statement right there. You know, as you're talking about the smile, um, I have to think about, I mean, immediately think about the beautiful picture of your mom and her smile. What a beautiful woman she was. And also thinking about the, the love letter that you left for her at the end of the book. Tell us why you left the love letter for her in here. Well, at a funeral, she passed away about four years ago, but she is still alive today because she got me started to speak in front of audiences when I was 10 years old. It was her way of giving me confidence without telling me, without bashing me on the head, you need more confidence, you know? So she invited me to start speaking and um, I never stopped. And she planted that seed, like you said, and she uh, had multiple sclerosis for about 30 years, but it never had her. That's an important concept to remember. We may have a disability, but the disability does not need to have us. It's in our attitude. And I feel that the love letter helps make her memory eternal everlasting to other readers who may not have known my mom, but when they read it, they realize there's an emotional bond between mother and son, between mother and sister, you know, between mother and father, you know, her husband. And they were married 51 glorious years. And, uh, it was a loving marriage, you know, communication, compromise, and just open openness. Beautiful. Raising a family. Really? And I'm so proud to have her as mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I can imagine, and I'm sure she's smiling down at you as you're continuing on this path that she started for you when you were 10 years old. <laughs> There's so much more to say about that. I do also want to say, um, because your book is full of so many great stories, there are also many beautiful stories about you and your father. One of them stands out to me as we're speaking right now. And it was the moment, as you said, your father has always encouraged you to not be satisfied with here, but always be looking for how can you improve. And there was a moment you tell the story of when you were in the supermarket and you fell, you were young, right? And your father's response to you was something that really is, is a, an attitude that you have continued from that point. Would, would you like to share that story? Certainly. When I was about five years old, I was starting to learn to walk. And we were in the supermarket and parents and my grandmother were with us. And I fell down. I was wearing braces at the time, leg braces to help me walk. And I fell down because I was not used to them. And I would say, Mom, Mom Dad, please help me up. You know? And uh, my mom, my grandmother were about to bend over and help me up. But my father had a different idea. He goes, no, no, Mom, no, Barb. That was her name, no Barb, Barbara. Uh, no mom, let Paul do it himself. 
so that uh you know i wasn't aware of what was going on i was frustrated and i screamed out i can't my father must have been expecting those words because he had an idea he says paul how do you spell the word can't and i said Oh, that means we learn that in school. C A N apostrophe T. Well, I want you to grab the T and rip down that word. You're left with can. Yes, I can. And uh, he's, he put so much energy and so much emotion into those words. And I knew. That had to become the title of the book, Yes, I Can. And um, he encouraged me to go to a shelf and get up on my own. You know, put your hands on the shelf and start to crawl up. But I didn't think too much of that experience, you know. And until about 25 years later, all right, I was speaking at a school. I was presenting to ninth graders. There was a girl in the back of the room. She had her head down for that whole hour. She wasn't even looking at me. I thought she was playing Game Boy or something. Why isn't she looking up at me? Until the end of the program, all the students left except her. She finally looks up at me, walks a little unsteadily towards me and says, Paul, I also have cerebral palsy. I smiled at her and I said, but it doesn't need to have you. And she never thought of her disability that way. I mean, she was, and uh, we have the same disability, the same level of severity. Why are our personalities so different? And then it was reminded of my, my thoughts zoomed back to time when I was five years old and my dad refused to help me in the supermarket. I can't speak for her family, the student's family, all those years later. But what I think happened is that her parents must have encouraged, must have lifted her up just when she asked. Uh, but three years later, I'm still in touch with the student through the principal. And the principal told me this student won the student of a month for the entire state of New Jersey or state. Something happened in that classroom when I presented the assembly three years earlier. I think I gave her confidence to not let, let the, her disability define her. We cannot do that. We cannot let our challenges define us. They are part of us. We should not try to hide them. That's not fair to us and not fair to others. We have to embrace them. Once we accept our challenges as gifts, they're not disabilities, they're gifts. We can accomplish anything. Well, you are certainly the living embodiment of that. And, and I think the listeners are starting to see how the seeds planted in, in your life from your parents 
and the opportunities that they opened up for you have allowed you to go out and use your story to help inspire and motivate others. Paul, you go out and speak. You're you're talking right now about speaking in a school. You speak often to students and and people out in the world. And and you've had some extraordinary opportunities as a result of that. You have met some of the most interesting people, people like that young girl and people that are are quite famous as well. I I would love to just share a little bit more about where you speak, what you speak about, the types of audiences that you're speaking to so that anybody listening can can hear a little bit about what you're out there in the world doing right now. That's a great question, Kelly. I speak to mostly uh, kids and teens, children and teens, because their minds are still developing about, about the world. And when they see somebody who walks into a classroom or auditorium and he wobbles up on stage and he cannot hear well and they think um, they're soon laughing they're soon um laughing with me because i take the focus off of what i can do i put it on what i can do and some of these audiences become so emotional they walk up to me crying. They're obviously crying. Their tears are coming down their face and they want to hug. And when I hug them, they, they lose it. They, 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 they boil uncontrollably because they are so happy at that moment. And it's a moment I want them to remember for the rest of their lives. They're not excited about me. That's not the reason why I'm speaking there. They're excited about themselves. And they're more educated about the differences we all share. And when we get, when we become educated, that releases fear. We're no longer uncomfortable around people who are different. They may have different culture, heritage, geopolitical affiliation, and even disability, you know, but we are all one community. This is our only home. And I speak to all kinds of people. Sometimes it's college students who are gonna become teachers or doctors. Sometimes it's medical school. And um, that's an interesting audience because, you know, they want to pass along hope and compassion to their patients because some other time and many years down the road, they're gonna be a patient themselves. And pass along that hope because when you go to a doctor or a hospital, you want to be cured of this illness, of this injury and you want the most positive outlook that you could have. Sometimes it takes courage to face what can be a devastating, um, a devastating um, diagnosis, but don't let it get to you. Like my mom did, she had multiple sclerosis, but she taught me courage 
and humility because she rules above it. And anyone can do that. So even, even celebrities, uh, the, the famous people like Billy Joel and Betty White, David Hasselhoff, they're in a different league because my favorite, my favorite people are my audience members, you know, because I shine the spotlight on them and make them feel like the heroes we all know they can become. Really beautiful, really beautiful. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of a story that you shared uh, because I'm thinking of you being on stage and I'm thinking, you know, you, you, how often you're on the stage and speaking to these different audiences. And you tell a story one time, Paul, where you, you know, we often say when you go on stage, break a leg, you huh? literally <laughs> broke a leg on stage. Can you share that story? Because I want people to understand how passionate you are about your work and what you're doing. All right, that's very, uh, that's an interesting experience, Kelly. <laughs> I was speaking at school, elementary school, kindergarten, first and second graders, 400 students, 800 eyes were on me. With staff in the gym, I'm walking around with the microphone in hand, a wireless microphone, and it was a brand new sound system in the school. The staff did not know how to use it. So while I was walking around talking, the students were so captivated and engaged. But what the staff did was made them volume too loud. And when they did that, you hear, you heard a piercing squeal from the speakers right above you, a hundred decibels. It's like a jet engine from flying overhead. It's enough to startle anyone. All my students jumped. They covered their ears. They were sitting down. I jumped too. Unfortunately, I was walking at that exact moment. I jumped. I could not recover. All right, I stumbled. I fell down into the gym floor. And I broke my femur the hardest bone in the human body, but I did not end the assembly. I couldn't stand up, the pain was excruciating, but I had a job to do. So I put on a weak smile and continued the program sitting down like nothing happened because I didn't want to, to uh, these were second graders, first graders, the little guys. And they're so impressionable. They, they hold on to every cue from their parents, from their people they meet. I didn't want to leave an assembly like that. But I broke my leg. The, the school went into lockdown for 10 minutes when the ambulance came. The nurse came over, said, you know, Paul, can you walk? Can you get up? Something seems to be wrong. And I said, I, I can't get up. Uh, just call an ambulance. So I was rushed to emergency surgery the next day. And they reattached my leg. There was nothing holding it up besides muscle. 
there was no bone. It was a clean break. And my friend said, there has to be a better way to get a standing ovation. You <laughs> broke a leg. I mean, getting a standing ovation, there's got to be a better way. And I spent next six months learning how to walk again. It was, I was crying the first night after my visitors left. I felt alone. Normally, I'm helping my mom. She was alive at the time. I'm helping her with her medication, with her meals, and uh, she's in bed all the time. So we're watching TV, we're watching the Golden Girls. And this time I felt helpless. And it got to me. For the first time in my life, I felt helpless. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could walk again. And then my friend Clarence visited me in the hospital the next morning. I didn't know who he was. We texted each other, but I never seen him until that morning. And he walked into my, my hospital room and sat down next to my bed and shared with me his story. And it was one of the most powerful stories I have ever heard of human tenacity. What happened was Clarence was a basketball star in college and he was helping somebody on the New Jersey Turnpike one night and he was hit from behind by a one-ton box truck traveling at 68 miles an hour. It hurled him 24 feet into the air. He hit the top of a turnpike lamppost, dropped down to earth, presumed dead. The other drivers chased after the trucker. Eventually, they caught him. Clarence was rushed to the hospital, given last rites, resuscitated twice. The third time was successful. And he spent the next two years recovering and learning how to walk, learning how to eat, learning how to use his hands again. He with a broken rib broken shoulder, broken back, broken leg, broken femur, but not a broken spirit. But not a broken spirit. And Clarence walked into my, my hospital room without a walker, without even a cane, and sat down to me, next to me, and shared with me his story. And when I heard it, it was like, he lit a fire under me, just like I did many years ago with that girl in the classroom. He lit a fire under me, said, I only have a broken femur. I can do this. Before you leave Clarence, I would love to get a photo with you. I'll be honored to put it on my iPad, on the screenshot. But I have a broken femur. It was very difficult for me to stand up at that moment, but I was determined to do so. The inner determination was so strong, and it was like fire under me. And our picture graces my iPod, and it has done ever since that injury. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely. You know, I'm just reminded of that, that, connection 
of human being to human being and how we can lift each other up in the moments that are good and also the moments that are not so good and how important it is to 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 reach out to reach across to to share your story because you never know who you might lift up that day right yes our kindness can change somebody's day week and life i had an assembly all right, at a school, a middle school. And there was a sixth or seventh grader at the time. And he is now about 27 years old. After the assembly, he added me as a friend on Facebook. Did not comment any post. Did not like any, any picture. But he read every single post over the years. And he messaged me, finally he messaged me last year and said that I saved his life. What could be more important than that? To save somebody's life in ways that you may never know. So don't be afraid to be kind and generous and just create a smile. If, even if you don't have any money to give, give your heart. Give your heart out. Make it unconditional love because that is the best gift that we can give and receive in life is love. That's all we're left with at the end of our lives too. All right. So I hope that that love comes through the screen and comes through the audience because I want every audience member to feel love. And you are loved more than you could possibly know. So beautiful. I think you can absolutely feel that. You can feel your heart as you're speaking um, and just that love coming through you. I, and it's such a powerful message. And you deliver it so well. You know, like you said, you're a storyteller, not just a motivational speaker, but you really have a beautiful gift of being able to tell a story. One of the things we mentioned briefly, and I want to come back to, is the fact that you have had the opportunities to speak to so many people, to meet so many um, incredible people. We briefly mentioned um, a couple of more famous people that you've met, um, Betty White and David Hasselhoff, who we'll come back to in a minute. Uh, but there's also uh, Billy Joel. And, and I want to mention him for a moment because you have a special bond with him. Um, and I'd like to like to share a little bit about that because it, it goes to your message that you're giving about love here. I guess that bond has to do with a song that he wrote many years ago, Just the Way You Are. And when I heard that, it inspired me with his message of acceptance. No matter what our challenges are, no matter how we present ourselves to the world, we are loved and we must accept ourselves the way we are inside. Not only spouses, as the song was intention, intentionally written, but a mother loving a child, an uncle loving a nephew, you know, a family member loving a friend, a childhood a fifth grader loving a potential sixth grader, you know, and 
when um, I had the chance to meet Billy a few times and thank him for his inspiration. And and I made him laugh too. And that, that was a, um, Billy is really a cool guy and he's really a prodigy. He's like an extraordinary guy who does an extraordinary thing, like all of us do. And he shares the gift of music with the world. And for those lucky people, he shares the gift of friendship. All right, I might not know him as a friend, but uh, if he saw me in a restaurant, he would come right over during dessert and introduce himself. I say hello. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that message of just the way you are. And then he also shares the gift with you of that, of the words, right? Because that is your website. That is my website, justthewayyouare.com. And I designed my website myself with the help of my cousin and my uncle. And, um, you know, I have pictures of Billy Joel and Elton John on the, on the website, too. And I, the website is really a description of my programs. It has my TED Talk for people that are not confident, that just feel like they need a little motivation. They could watch my TED Talk. I have like podcasts like this one on my website. And I also have descriptions uh, from emails from students and teachers and principals who emailed me in the past after my program. And the emails say a lot about bullying and anti-bullying and make people feel confident and giving them courage to triumph over their challenges. Because we can't let our attitudes become our biggest disability. I said that before. That's right. That's exactly right. And soon, if not already, you also have your book on your website. So let's talk a little bit about your book. Yes, I can. Um, and as we talk about this, this is actually not technically your first publication, correct? You actually have another little story uh, about another book that you were published in. Yes. About 18 years ago, um, well, I wrote the I think, you know, well, let me go back to the time when I was 10, 11 years old and was watching a TV show, Night Rider. And this was the 80s of a crime fighting car, a team, a crime fighting indestructible car together with a former policeman. And they were a team, that team inspire me every week with the Night Rider slogan. Do you remember what that slogan is? I don't. All I can think of is the car with the lights going on and him talking. <laughs> uh, that slogan inspire me. One man can make a difference. It was six words. And I wanted to bring that slogan to life in the best way that I knew how. So that was the time that I started speaking at schools. I would present assemblies to students about my abilities, not my disabilities. And uh, 18 years ago, I wrote a thank you note to David. I didn't expect him to respond, but he did more than I ever dreamed possible. 
David wrote back to me and he asked me, Paul, I was so inspired by your thank you note. I'd like to share it with other readers. My book is coming out about my life, my autobiography, and it's called Don't Have a Half. And my letter is the only letter that closes the book. It's in the back of the book. The only letter from fan. And that was a um, an honor. And um, my dad was so proud. My mom was so proud of that. And I was proud of that too. But when the letter was published, David also included my email address in the book. And I'm starting to get emails from Germany and Austria. They think that I'm the contact for David. <laughs> and it was hilarious. I loved it. But you know what? I loved making them smile. I said, I'm not the contact. I'm a simple fan like you. And I'm Funny. so honored that David offered me to share my letter in his book that he sent me an email 18 years ago and I put it on my book, <laughs> you know, from David Hasselhoff right here. So yeah, on the back of my book, one man can make a difference. One man, one woman can make a difference. So don't believe that this challenge is a, is a death sentence. It's not, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow from your challenge and to rise above it and give you confidence to achieve, to learn, to succeed. Everyone can do that because everyone has different challenges in one way or another. That's what Knight Rider told me, taught me. Yeah, beautiful. And it makes me think, although I tend to end our episodes with this, it, it's so perfect uh, because this podcast is called It Just Takes One. And when I came up with that idea, it was that message that you just shared there that it just takes one person in one moment. It's such a small number. It's such a small drop that can change everything. So I'm just curious, just from your perspective, Paul, what does it just takes one mean to you? It's a power one. When we think of one person, one person can change the world in some ways, like for example, my maternal grandfather, uh, in the 1960s, he owned a restaurant in downtown Baltimore and he was arrested a few times for serving African-Americans in his restaurant. My grandfather believed in equality and had the courage to stand up even when he looked around, nobody was standing up with him. But he felt it was right thing to do. To have overcome prejudice, overcome discrimination for different types of people. Because we are all the same. We are all one community. And I'm proud to have some of that DNA in my blood. That's why my mom and I watched the 2007 movie, 
hairspray about 120 times in the musical. She loves musicals. And the movie reminded her of her father because it takes place in Baltimore and overcome racism and discrimination. And the movie was so inspiring. I reached out to the songwriter, Mark Shaman, and he wrote, we're Facebook friends because I'm friends with his childhood friends here in uh, New Jersey. And he grew up in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, and uh, to have some of my grandfather's DNA makes me proud. I mean, he's no longer alive, but he's alive in spirit. Mm-hmm. And alive he in you. He sees life through my eyes, mm-hmm. just like my mom does. And she's dancing up there with him right now, I'm sure. That's, I'm sure, as well. And like you said, one person really can change the world and beautiful um, message for all of us. So, Paul, you have this book, you have a a beautiful message out there that you're sharing and presenting. If somebody's listening and they'd like to get the book or they'd like to learn more about how they might connect with you, what are the best ways for them to do that? All right. Uh, The best way is through my website, justthewayyouare.com. And the book, if you would like to buy it, it's available on Amazon. And it's something that Scripter has never seen before. I'd like to give you, Kelly, the pleasure of sharing that with our audience today. Well, thank you so much. Just actually before we got on and started recording, Paul and I were commenting that his book, as we sit here today in mid-November, is still number one two and three on Amazon. And they have been there for several weeks now. More we for us to have all three of your books, the ebook, the paperback, and the hardcover in the one, two, and three positions was notorious in itself. But the fact that they are still there this many weeks later is a record for us at Scripter. So thank you for sharing that success with us. (laughs) Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm sure my mom had a hand in making sure we get, get we uh, I got in touch with Scripter, and you got in touch with me, and together we used our strength to produce this book. I couldn't have done it without you and Greg. Well, absolutely, absolutely, our pleasure, Paul. And and it is only the beginning. I know it's only the beginning. Yeah, I'd like to finish. Fine. Our conversation, though, I started it with the first sentence of the book, and I'd like to finish it with not the final sentence of the book, because you have the love letter to your mom after this and also the acknowledgments, but this is the last sentence of the content of the book, or the last paragraph, actually, that I'd like to share, because I think it does wrap up what we've been talking about today. And you write this. I have shared these insights from my life to help readers, young and old, shine a beam of light onto the darkened path upon which so many others find themselves. For shining your light is spreading your love. Share your heart and your world for others to emulate, not only for yourself, but for everyone in your community. We are simply perfection in an imperfect world. 
That's very true. And I feel um, my late mom was helping me write that. I'd like to share one story about why the inspiration behind this book was to my late mom. Great. Dad and I were cleaning out her um, our house of her belongings, her jewelry, her clothes. And we came across a journal in her handwriting going back to the time I was born. We never knew she kept a journal. And we were incredulous. I mean, this treasured gift she left for us. And when I was reading that journal, I knew that I had to start writing a book. And I weaved some of her loving thoughts, some of her frustrations into the narrative. So it's, a, it's like a complete picture of my childhood that would have been lost to time. I was too young to think like that. But my mom had the foresight to write down. And we found it. And it's such a treasured gift for us. And to have, yes, I can, even the title, the cover, you see, the N-O and the apostrophe T behind the exclamation point? No, I can't. Can always be transformed to yes, I can. It's up to us. It's always up to us. And when we think about ourselves, when we think about our reason for existing, the reason why we're, we have our challenges, the reason why we are the way we are today. We don't need to be that way forever. We can learn, we can grow, we can achieve. And we have to believe, yes, I can. Couldn't say it any more beautifully myself. Uh, such an important message for everyone, young and old, wherever you are that you're listening, I hope you take that message and that motivation and feel that passion and love coming from Paul and all that he's doing in the world and, and go out and share that because I think that is really the message that you want all of us to have. Everyone is a winner. Nobody is a loser. You may come in second place, but it gives you an opportunity to respect the people who come in first place and try it next time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. Paul, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. It's been a pleasure working with you. I know this is only the beginning of a relationship as we continue to market your book and, and get more of your message out there. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you're doing every day to inspire all of us. Thank you for your book. Thank you for being part of the Scripter family and allowing us to help you bring this forward. And I wish you the best of luck with everything from here. Thank you. Thank you. I wish Scripter the best. And I'm, I'm so excited and privileged and honored that we found each other. Same here. Same here. All right, Paul, we'll be in touch again soon. And you have a good rest of your day. All right. Is that a warning? That's a warning and, no. and a gift. No. <laughs> I want to get you smiling. That's exactly right. Thank you so much, Paul. Okay. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. 
And so we come to an end of another wonderful conversation with one of our authors. Dr. Paul is such an inspiration. As I've been working with him and just feeling the positive energy that he always exudes, I have often thought about the times in our lives when all of us get down, when no, I can't is the dominant theme or thought going through our mind. Those times when we're challenged and we just can't seem to find the light at the end of the tunnel. I hope that the next time you have one of those moments, you will remember Dr. Paul. The inspiration that he lives every single day is something that all of us can strive for, aspire to, and certainly follow. His message that no, I can't can become yes, I can anytime we choose it to be is so powerful. It doesn't come about by luck. We aren't born into that positive mindset. It is something that we work on. It is something that we practice. It is something that happens and grows over time. But when you can look at the example of somebody like Dr. Paul, you know what happens when you create a positive mindset in your life. It changes everything. It opens doors that would never have been opened otherwise. And so I hope you take this message and you use it and apply it and come back to it whenever you need it. I also hope that you'll go and get his book. I'll put the link to it down below. It is available on Amazon. He shares many more stories and many more life lessons in there that are extremely valuable. And it's a great tool to reach for whenever you need that little boost of positivity. In addition, you can find him at his website, justthewayyouare.com. He left us with a final message to continue to shine our light and share our hearts with everyone. And so I'd like to close with that message for you as well. Continue to shine, continue to share your heart and do what you can do to make this world a better place. And so this brings us to the end of another episode of It Just Takes One. Thank you as always for joining us. We appreciate your following us and we love to share the stories that our authors are writing about. So many incredible people and so many beautiful and inspirational stories to share. I hope you'll continue to follow us. Subscribe if you haven't already and please stay tuned for more episodes coming soon.